0: The kids have a great time, and the parents suffer, and isn't that just like life? Uh, so I'd encourage you to read it, especially those of you with children. So is there anything else as far as announcements that need to go forth to the congregation? And we will begin the service with the call to worship. Now, the call to worship is something that's always done. We'll read this portion of Scripture that's at the top of your order of service. And then there will be the invocation. An invocation is an opening prayer, really asking God's permission to come and worship him. Which, to those of you that know the Bible real well, know that's a pretty important thing to do. So let's start. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and And a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words to the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words to the pe- of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Lord God, our Father, as we come together before you, we are a consecrated people. We want to lift up our hearts and our voices to praise your holy name. You are a great God to us, and you are our creator but also, we know you. And in the person of your Son, we are acceptable to you. And so, Lord God, at this point, we, we ask your permission to come before you in praise and to honor you with our praises. We thank you for this great blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Well, let's rise and... In- Let's sing a hymn of praise, number 246, There is a fountain filled with blood. Of reading from Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Uh, I'll do the first verse and we'll rotate. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away the evildoers.
0: And now, after we've read Psalm 125, we will sing Psalm 125, and that's on the second sheet that was handed out to you with the sheet music. Also, you can just open up the blue psalter if you happen to have one and turn to number 125. It's to an ancient melody that comes through our tradition being called Slane, S-L-A-N-E, and uh, you know it as the melody to Beat Out My Vision. And so we'll go ahead and sing this Psalm 125. But first,
2: we'll sing.
1: Catechism, question 96. I'll read the question and we repeat the answer together. What is the Lord's Supper? Answer, the Lord's Supper is a sacrament wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine according to Christ's appointment, his death is showed forth and the worthy receivers are... Not after a corporal or carnal manner, but by faith, made partakers of his blood blood with all the benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth and grace. Question ninety seven What is required to the worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper? Answer It is required of them that we partake of the Lord's Supper, that they examine themselves of their knowledge to discern the Lord's body, of their faith to feed upon Him, and of their repentance, love, and new obedience, lest, coming unworthily, they eat and drink judgment to themselves. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Triune God, the three in one, we thank you that we can... um, come together, that we can uh, read the summary of your word and the confession, and uh, we thank you for it. Lord, uh, may we um, uh, remember what you have done for us on the cross, what you did for us uh, through the Passover Lord's Supper, that you died for our sins so that we may live a life that we could not live on our own, and we thank you for it, Lord Jesus. In his name we do pray, amen.
0: Now again, as I always say, for those of you that aren't familiar with our background and our specific theological lineage and tradition, this is the old church, and so we do things in the old ways. One of the reasons that's not wrong is because just because something is old does not mean it's not good. As a matter of fact, many times in the Bible when Jesus wants to show you that something's good, he prefaces it by saying, it's old, right? A lot of the things that have been done in the church for 2,000 years, even if they are mere tradition, are traditions that came to exist for a reason, for a substantial and deep reason. And so whereas Jesus, on an ongoing basis, he warned the believers, don't nullify the law of God with your traditions made by men. He isn't by that saying everything the church does is bad. So things that we do, like saying the Apostles' Creed, and praying the Lord's Prayer, and a time of confession, and a time of proclamation. These are the things that were always done in the worship services in the Bible. These are the things that we do now. So at this time, we are going to have a time of confession, not where you confess your sins to any mere human being who's just as sinful as you are, present company accepted, of course, but where you confess your sins to God, where you check your conscience, and unburden yourself before him, leaning on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that when you open your mouth in praise and worship, your conscience is unburdened. So at this point, we will have a time of silence for you to confess to the Lord your God your personal and private sins. Now, Christian, I also set before you that we as a people, even we as a church, even we as part of the universal church, also have sinned before the Lord. And so we confess as a people, Christian, do you believe that you've sinned every day and thought, word, and deed? We do. We do. And do you believe that you too would be lost but for the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone? We do. we do. Then I simply declare to you what the scriptures declare, that if you have rested on the alien righteousness of Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, your sins are forgiven and you are restored to a right relationship with your God. Lord God, our Father, we also bring before you the petitions of this particular church. Not that these are all of our needs, Lord God, but these are the ones that are stated for our public proclamation. We bring them before you, Lord God, of our number. We pray that you would be with them and that you would bless them. We pray, Lord God, that Marty is going off to the Bartlett Church next week, Lord God, to present your word to them, and we pray that you would bless him mightily and pour out your spirit on him that many souls would come to know you and be deeply edified by your word as it is preached and taught. We thank you for all of these things, praying the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All for all the lyric sheet that's handed out. <laughs>
1: Seated, Uh, we do the uh, tithes and offering. Uh, We have a little box in the back if you would like to um, put your offering there. And now we um, do the doxology.
0: Please rise. to extend your kingdom here and around the world. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Amen. Please be seated. I know that's a lot of getting up and getting down and all of that stuff. Uh, If you think about it, there was a time when all of you would have been completely excluded from the worship service but for as being interested admirers. What I mean by that is all of the singing, all of the music, all of the prayers would have been performed up here by professional clergy that we call priests, and you would have been able to come in for a while, watch a little while, light a candle, pray to a saint, kiss some feet, and then you were out of there. But at the time of the Reformation, we came back to a place where you are not an auteur. You are not an observer of the worship. You are the worship. And so, whereas there would have been one or another time in history when you would have gotten off the hook and I would have had to stand up here and do the prayer and y'all would have been able to sit through it, now you stand and proclaim to your God. And so there seem to be things in Scripture in which it's appropriate a place to stand and a place to sit. You might remember that until a few hundred years ago, there were no seats in churches at all. Can you imagine how that would go for church growth? And the services were often three to four hours long. And we'll get you out of here in about 15 minutes. I'm just kidding. But But also in the church, we do not expect that the preaching and the teaching of the word of God is specific only to the clergy or only to those ordained as ministers. We certainly expect all of the elders to be able to teach, but also every person in the congregation is in one way or another an evangelist and a servant of God. Today we'll be having Howie Mays present the word to you. He's been an elder here only for a few years, but he's been at the church. Is is it close to 30, Howie? 25 years. He, of course, he and his wife Jan have been here since then. His son Andy already grew up, and he's a professor of uh, drugs, (laughs) He's a professor of pharmacy down in Jackson, and he has a thriving career, but he was also raised in this church and grew up in it. So at this time, Howie, if you would present the word to us, please.
3: Good morning, everyone. It's certainly nice to see you all. Uh, Pastor Chris has uh, graciously surrendered the pulpit this morning. Bless his heart. And uh, but I'm here again. Uh, let's start off with prayer. Loving Father power, praise, and thank you for all the many great blessings that you have showered over all of us despite our foolish rebelling and sinful pride. How great you are. What a gracious God that you should care for such as us. Amen. I want to start out by going to Deuteronomy uh, 28 1-6 1-6 through six. and we'll be coming back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 a little later in the service uh, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord and your God being careful to do all his commandments and all that he commanded you today the Lord your God were set high above the nations of the earth. And all the blessings shall come to you, upon you, and overtake you. And if you obey the voice of the Lord our God, blessed you shall be in the city, blessed you shall be in the field, blessed you shall be in the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, And the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in. And blessed you shall be when you go out. We're going to come back to this uh, chapter just a little bit later. But blessings, beatitudes, and and miracles sure they're related they they have to have a common thread blessings and miracles are mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible and the Beatitudes are the blessings at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount now the Sermon on the Mount let's take a look right quick at Matthew 5 1 through 12 Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness for the for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all sorts of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Beatitudes are the teachings of God. They were introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, and they were quite an introduction. But do what it says, and you will be blessed. And everybody wants to be blessed by God, unless you're an atheist or something. But the purpose of the Beatitudes is to inspire you to act in a certain way. It's take like blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That could be someone that prays daily and they pray for others, not just themselves. And blessed are they who mourn, for their shall be comforted. You lose a close family member, and God provides for you to see them be reunited again in heaven and blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I can remember when I was a child, I must have been like maybe 12 years old, and I was in Sunday school at the Community Presbyterian Church in the big city of Natalia, Texas, population 1,000. But I was sitting there, and I remember vividly, The Sunday school teacher going over the Beatitudes. And he got to the part, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I can vividly remember thinking, lady, you did not grow up in the neighborhood I'm growing up in. (laughs) Because if you didn't fight, you would be steamrolled. You had to take care of yourself. But I was thinking of it. In a child way, not a mature way. Being meek is not being, being weak. I perceived being meek as being weak. And meek could be just avoiding a confrontation or avoiding someone that you knew was not in a good mood and wanted to mix it up. It, it could be as simple as that and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied young people think of this you stand up for someone that's being bullied persecuted and tormented children if you haven't seen it yet you will you will see it it will happen but blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And this could be any time someone truly forgives another. And blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. And a good example of this is children playing together without any prejudice or bias. And blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It could be like two old friends having a falling out and then decide to bury the grudge. But blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness for those who are, uh, are the kingdom of heaven. Someone could be, you could stand up for someone that's being mocked and treated, treated not fairly, I've seen this in my adult life and to side with and befriend something, someone in that position it makes you feel good and it makes you feel good. Why? Because you know that's what God wants you to do. But clearly there's a lot of ways that Beatitudes could uh, come into play in your daily life. Uh, there's certainly many other tenets that can be lived out as well. But probably Beatitudes are the most understood but least obeyed of all God's teachings. Uh, Exactly what is a blessing? Well, a blessing is a favor Or gift bestowed by God that brings happiness or contentment. Or it can be a a blessing and thanks before a meal. But how do you know when you're being blessed? Sometimes we don't know when we're being blessed. Sometimes bad things happen that are things that you perceive to be bad can happen and you have to have this before you can receive the blessing have any of y'all ever been in a position or a place and you just prayed to God please get me out of here I have I prayed it didn't work God God got me out of there on his time, not mine. But some 30 years later, or 35 years later, I was sitting in Mark Parris' Sunday school class, and it dawned on me, this is 30, 35 years later, that the things that I had gone through, all those 30 years later, were actually preparing me or was a blessing. It only took me 30 years. Some people are just slower than others, I guess. But if God has to prepare us sometime to receive blessings, uh, if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have This. And let me tell you, this is a whole lot better than that was. (laughs) And sometimes you have to have this. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. And uh, let's start at verse 15. But if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God and be be careful to uh, do all His commandments and His statutes that I have commanded uh, you today, then all of these curses shall come up over you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be in your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall you be in the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Cursed will you be when you come in, and cursed you will be when you go out. So God blesses us and curses us, and He does it, and He, talk, and he talks about it in, Chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. It covers it all. It covers the blessings. Do what I say and you're blessed. And it covers the curses. Don't do what I say and you're cursed. But seeing the things, uh, the theme of the blessings throughout Scripture, let's take a look at God's curse. In dealing with all mankind, God has either promised blessings or curses in all His teachings. Uh, the curse, our first curse appeared in Genesis 28, verse 15-17 through 17, where the Creator promises Adam and Eve that disobedience to His commands will result in their death. And that happened when they were cast out of the garden when they followed the serpent instead of the uh, Word of God. Since then, all of humanity, all of us, have lived under a curse. And the only way to find a blessing is to turn from sin and trusting in the Lord's promise of salvation. And no human... Can inflict a curse on another human. I have known people that believe this. They're still out there. But God will not permit that. God will not permit one person to put another person under a curse because that would be like sharing his power. And that's not going to happen. The only time that God, or maybe not the only time, but one of the times that God shared his power when he, uh, he uh, gave power to his disciples to go provide miracles to the land. He did give his power in that instance. But which would you rather have? Miracles or blessings? Well, what exactly is a miracle? And it's defined as an event is unexplained by the laws of nature and is so held to be supernatural or an act of god the bible gives six specific reasons to perform miracles number 1 to prepare to proclaim that christ is god to prof- to prove his authority to show that this is the kingdom of God, to confirm Jesus' message, to fulfill prophecy, and to express God's compassion. Jesus miracles provided proof that he was sent from God, though they were though they gave evidence of God's victory over satan they were never designed to be the primary focus of his ministry but they did show his authority over nature demons disease and yes even death do miracles still happen estelle i'm amazed think so she's up there right now looking down saying this is a miracle But blessings and miracles are like two different delivery systems for God's blessings. For God to give us the good stuff in life. But, is it possible that we can be so expectant of a miracle that we overlook the blessings? It sure is. I heard a story maybe 45 or 50 years ago about a lady who was on the rooftop because there was a flood and the water was rising quickly. And it was obvious that she was doomed unless she got a miracle from God. The waters were rising so she started praying. She prayed for God's miracle. And about the time she finished a prayer. A big log floated by, and she thought, "I could jump onto that log and maybe ride this thing out of here." But then she said, "No, nah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait for God's miracle." The water kept rising. A man came by in a boat, and he said, "Jump in, lady. I can save you." She thought, no, I'm going to wait for God's miracle. Well, the waters were rising, and just before they swept her away, a helicopter came by and dropped a rope ladder to her, and she thought, no, I'm still going to wait for God's blessing, his miracle. Well, in heaven, she was perplexed. And she asked God, why didn't you save me? And God says, lady, I sent you a log, a boat, and a helicopter. You refused to be saved. And the lady missed the point, the provision of God, because she was committed to receiving God's help in only one way. And that's kind of what we do today. Many of us only know how to receive God's blessing by a miracle. And it's easy to see. It's, it's easy to see that if you live with God in your heart, you see miracles Everywhere. They're everywhere. Blessings and miracles can even happen at the same time. A few weeks ago, Pastor Chris, that thing's alive, I guess. A few weeks ago, Pastor Chris preached a sermon about the wedding at Cana. A wedding at Cana. There is a blessing right there. No other blessing. Human relationship is more sacred than holy matrimony. That is a great blessing. And in Jewish society, religious society of the day, the groom was under the gun. He had to build a house. He had to furnish a house. He had to prove that he could support this woman. And he had to prove that he could throw a party because sometimes they partied for a week, the wedding party. Well, anything goes wrong, it doesn't look good for the for the groom. But they ran out of wine. <laughs> that was a disaster. So God so Jesus changed water into wine. So we had the blessing of the wedding and the miracle of changing the water into wine. But blessings, I'm sure there's more cases in the Bible that uh, blessings and miracles took place at the same time. But blessings aren't seen as being spectacular like miracles are. But I guess miracles probably satisfy our human name, uh, human desire for the grandiose. Everybody likes a good miracle. But do miracles still happen? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Pessimistic view would be no. But an optimist, optimistic view Christian view would say absolutely yes. Blackbirds was mysteries and, and and miracles all around us every day. The metamorphosis of changing a worm into—I uh, correct that—a caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. Fifi would have been all over me about the worm thing, but. To, uh, and also, uh, the leaves turning in the fall. Uh, a beautiful sunset. How about a tender touch from that special love? And how about a walk in the moonlight with that special love? And what about a baby's first smile? If a baby smile doesn't warm your heart, you're dead inside. There's not much better than that. But the fact that I found a lovely lady to love me for nearly 49 years, there are people in this room that will think that is a miracle. <laughs> I know a couple of them. But in closing, I just want to say take a look around and look. And it's so obvious that God showers us with miracles and blessings every day. What a great God we have. Let's pray. Oh Lord, please open our hearts to Your wonderful Word that provides salvation and so many blessings, Lord, we, even though we have such wicked ways, we pray that You will continually bless us. Amen.
0: Thank you, Howie. That was a great word. Now we're going to be participating in the Lord's Supper. Some of you will remember why we have it at the end of the service. Different churches do it in different ways and different traditions, but ours is a preaching in a word-based tradition. We're in the Bible. And so the Lord's Supper is usually done after the preaching of the word, which is preparative to participation in this meal. In Exodus chapter 19, from verse 5, it says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, that's in the Old Testament, of course, so you might think to yourself, well, he's talking about those those people of old, the ancient Hebrews. But turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter, of course, being written by the famous Peter in the Bible. In our pew Bibles, it's page 1294. In 1 Peter chapter 2, from verse 4, Peter writes this. As you come to him a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And now he says again these words talking about you, Christian. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And when we come together in the Lord's Supper, a major part of that is recognizing the body of believers around you, that you are a special chosen people called to and precious to God. This meal is not for everyone. There's an idea that you've probably seen in churches before called open communion. You know, baptism is only for special people, but communion's for everybody. But what the Bible teaches is this is a special family meal. Many of you are probably going to go home tonight, and you're going to have family over, and you're going to eat a meal just you so you can look at each other's faces and into each other's eyes and hear about each other's week and pray together. Well, this also is a family meal. Not for everyone. And so I would proclaim to you, I would suggest to you, that if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have not believed in him unto salvation, this meal is not for you, and please do not participate in it. This is a family meal for the people of God, a chosen race, a priesthood unto God. In verse 17 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, it says, but the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it's not for better, but for worse. In the first place, when you come together as a church, meaning he was writing to a definable people, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, there have to be divisions among you and factions in order to show those who are genuine from those that are not. And when you come together It's not really for the Lord's Supper that you eat. For each one in eating goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, don't you have your own houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? I will not. We always notice that when he gets ready to tell us about the Lord's Supper, first he has some warnings. Uh, There are lots of reasons people self-excommunicate themselves. They don't want to take the supper. They pass it by. Here are some of the bad reasons, right? Uh, I just don't think I'm up to it this week. I don't think I've been spiritual enough this week to take the supper. Do you see anything that he's talking about here? In the, you weren't spiritual enough this week. Do you see anything like that in the Bible? There is no such thing in the Word of God. We do encourage you to prepare your heart to take the meal, but it's none of us have been spiritual enough to take the supper this week, okay? The other is your many sins that wound your conscience and weigh you down. It's not for the sinless, the supper. It's for those that recognize their need for Jesus Christ. So your recognition of your own sins is a prerequisite to proper uh, uh, reception. The fact that you're a sinner, well, why would you need it if you weren't a sinner? Uh, So when we come forward to the supper, let's remember that your hunger and thirst for the grace of God is the prerequisite for right uh, reception of the supper. He says here, for what I received from the Lord Jesus, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. We'll go ahead and sing a song. the elements. And I think everybody here knows, but you know, this is the time of the virus. I've spoken to several people just this week that because of what's going on with the virus and the Delta variant, we won't be seeing them for a while and that's okay. We're not going to wound your conscience or aggressively tell you you have to do this or that in regard to your personal safety. Uh, A lot of you have already had the uh, shot, a lot of you aren't going to get the shot. I consider that within that pastoral realm of none of my business. Know what I mean? At the same time, uh, we already know that what this church will do is we're going to continue to worship the Lord God day in and day out, morning and evening, every Sunday, just as scripture has commanded. Uh, We're going to do that no matter what. A lot of you are very worried about upcoming possible mask issues and upcoming changes that might happen with the government. I don't know what's going to happen any more than you do. At the same time, I know what we'll do here, right? We will worship the Lord our God. Uh, you might have some decisions to make if things change or if laws change. That's really up to you. That's a private individual's decision as a, as a, as a citizen of the United States of America. Uh, but as a, as a people of God, we continue to worship the Lord our God. So this song, Do This in Remembrance of Me, Uh, We'll sing it together, and then you can come forward at your discretion and receive the Lord's Supper. saw somebody sneak out were they taking the elements to the people in the nursery or are they yeah. covered yeah. out there okay good, good you know of all the things that we do this is one of the most important uh, there are many things that Jesus taught us and there are many kinds of religious observances but this is one that Jesus took time and set apart and said do this in remembrance of me though it is special, it is distinct, and it is different. I get a lot of comments on the Lord's Supper. One of them is that I make the bread too big and I put in too much juice. To which I answer, it's a meal, it's not a snack. Even more than that, it's a meal, it's not a ceremony. It's not a ritual. You can tell from the way they were talking about it that they had a pretty zesty meal going on. They were participating in a meal because some were eating too much and some were getting hungry and all kinds of things that were going on. If I could, each one of your crackers would be about this size. (laughs) This kind of bread that we use, we can be about 80% sure this is what they used at the Last Supper where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Why this one specifically? Because it was the Passover meal and there were rules in it, right? One of them was that it had to be bread without yeast. There was no yeast in the meal. Now, was that the soft bread or was that the crunchy bread? That we don't know. That's the other 20%, right? But that it was something like this, something simple and not ostentatious, that we know. Uh, With that, is it required in the Bible that we use this kind of bread now? It's actually not required. It's a decision that we have to make. So we just... Air on the basis of care, and we do, uh, and we use the one that's the closest to what they used at the supper itself. That's just an explanation of why it's this way. Why is there so much grape juice in there? Because more is better. Verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink. And as we grind on this bread with our teeth, and as we drink this juice with our lips, and we take it into the body, so there is a spiritual correspondent between the sign and the thing signified. And God says that as Christ feeds our souls, this analogy of this food feeds our bodies. At the same time, and in the same place, Let's pray. Right. Lord, our God and Father, we thank you for this great blessing, this communion that we're having with you. That we are caught up into heaven in this event with you. And that even as our Christ is seated at your right hand in heaven, he is interceding constantly for the saints. And that as you look on us, you see us in the righteousness of Christ, cleansed by his righteousness, by his blood, so that we are clean in you. And you help us to persevere in this way through these means of grace. And we thank you for this great mercy in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Closing song will be number 417.
2: Anybody my age would remember this. This is an old Andre Crouch song. He was like the Chris Tomlin of my youth. <laughs> It'll come back to you. <laughs> okay.